Good morning, Senior Pastor. Uh, good good morning, to be Pastor. with you again. Amen. Uh, we're, we're going to continue our, our final study uh, with the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 through uh, chapter 22 uh, to the end of that. Um, and we're going to be looking at the new Jerusalem. Um, the truth is that the saints will live and reign with Jesus Christ for eternity, and that's our hope. That's why we constantly do what we do, go to church, read our Bible, try to live the best life that we can, be kind to our neighbors, so forth, so on. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a, 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 a lesson of hope, and I hope that everyone that is listening uh, would actually feel that need and that unction to really uh, venture out and, and, and really um, uh, praise the Lord for what Amen. he is going to do. Uh, for us in the future. Um, mm. This lesson will cause us to reflect on our eternal destiny with Christ and serve him wholeheartedly. And I believe that's an issue, um, you know, that we, we have, especially in our society today, is that we cannot find people to, to, that would worship and serve God wholeheartedly. And hopefully we can, you know, we can set out some things through this lesson that will help us to refocus our heart um, on Christ Jesus. Um, but we need to um, recap. Uh, actually, before we do that, uh, it's divided into, we're going to divide it into three sections. Um, the Bride of the Lamb, Revelation 21, verse 1 through 10. The Light of the Lamb, Revelation 21, verse 22 through chapter 22, verse 5, and then finally the invitation of the Lamb, Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 to the end. So we have the bride of the Lamb, the light of the Lamb, and the invitation of the Lamb. And if we were to recap what we've learned over the past few weeks, um, the appearance of Christ and his commission to John are revealed in chapter 1. The seven letters to the churches of Asia Minor, which contain um, commendation, reproof, and promise, are recorded in chapter 2 and 3. Um, chapters 4 and 5 reveal the throne room, um, heavenly worship, and the revelation of the lion who is a slaughtered lamb. The opening of the seven seals found on the scroll containing the destiny of creation is accomplished in chapters 6 and 7. The seventh seal consists of seven trumpets sounded in chapters 8 through 11. Chapters 12 through 14 are a record of conflict and evil chaos. Um, and man, we, we see that now, conflict and evil chaos that's happening in our world. The last seven plagues are found um, in chapters 15 and 16. Babylon is depicted and destroyed in chapters 17 and 18. The decisive victory of God and his people begins in chapter 19 and ends in chapter 20 with the final judgment. Chapters mm. 21 and 22, which we're going to be discussing today, comprise the last section, the new heaven and new earth. So we have really um, gone through quite a bit over the past few weeks, um, not necessarily in, in detail, but we have kind of... Um, you know, painted with a, a broad uh, a brush um, with broad strokes exactly what Revelation 
um, was all about. But it's really, it really boils down to understanding what Jesus Christ is going to do in, this, in, in his second coming. Um, the final two chapters present the fulfillment of God's plan for his people. The plan is presented in marriage imagery. Uh, Revelation closes with encouragement and admonition. And oh boy, do we need encouraging and admonition and and admonishing today. Uh, The reader is reassured that the book of Revelation is the inspired word of God and that Jesus is coming quickly. God is in control and we must choose to submit ourselves to him, his plan, and his timing, both for the kingdom and for our lives. And this has always been a struggle for Christians, um, whether a new Christian or an old Christian. That word, submission, we find it very hard to submit to the word of God, very hard to submit to the plan of God, and very hard to submit to the timing of God. And we must recognize that he, if he is in control, then we have to work in accordance to his will, his plan, his timing for the kingdom and for our lives. So I'm going to turn it over to you now, Senior Pastor, as you kind of uh, break down the bride of the Lamb found in Revelation 21, verse 1 through 10. Amen. And um, what, what a subject matter we have had. I am pretty sure that we all enjoy this book from we started from creation. We talk about salvation. We talk about Job. We talk about um, Daniel. And we talk about how we are to conduct ourselves and so on. And coming down to this, the new Jerusalem. And... um, These interludes, three interludes present itself before us today. Visions of security and salvation, the prophetic role, and the final judgment. And I was thinking about this, Pastor Ho. This is the grand finale. Amen. The end, but yet the beginning. So, those who are listening, it's celebration time. Yes. So ramp up the music. Put on your Sunday best and let's celebrate. Because the, the wedding is completed. And here we are now. The bride and the groom is now consuming the marriage. Now, we all know that after you leave a wedding, that the bride and the groom, they go to their home and they consummate the marriage in secrecy. But here, the difference with God is that this is not in secrecy. It's, it's, it's God, the groom, and the church has the bride. And here we are. We are a part of the celebration. All saints, all saints in this final review of how we handled our gifts, we're going to be paid for how we are rewarded, I should say, perhaps is a better term, of how we handled our gifts, the gifts that he has given unto us, our opportunities to witness, and our responsibilities. That has, that has been asked of you. 
that which you didn't do. Sins of commission and omission, all right, will be reviewed at that time. So make sure that we have, as they used to say, all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted. And here, John, talk about the holy city. There's a holy and beautiful city whose builder and maker is God. And John saw it. Verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, you might want to underline that there was no more sea, because there's a reason why there will be no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, this was after the great white throne judgment. We are judgment is made, and God is spending his time with his people, with his children, um, as we are part of all of this. I saw, John said, I saw, and I need for us to see today. Open your eyes and see. See what is written in the book. See what the Spirit is saying unto us. Because some people, you know, their eyes are blinded. They can't see. But as children of God, we need to see. See what's happening in our time. See what God is getting ready to do. Because you cannot impart it unless you see it. You cannot reveal it unless you have seen it. The object of John's vision was a new heaven and a new earth. Why? For the old had vanished, passed away, done away with. Remember, he promised us a new heaven and a new earth. God promised to create new heavens and a new earth, which shall endure forever. It will not pass away, but it will endure forever. Now, make a a note here that sin's presence and the effect of sin are now removed from the earth. It will be perfection, a perfect heaven, no more sin, no more sin. You won't be prone to sin anymore. You know, all of this will be done away with, and it's a place of righteousness. It was in the heavens, if you remember quite well, that Satan rebelled and held dominion and had to be kicked out. Creation, and it, it was in the heaven where God is because God kicked him out and he came to the lower, lower earth here and um, started rebellion and caused us to sin and caused us to do all kind of things contrary to what he made us for. Now, I said earlier that there was no more sea. And what was the reason for that? In Scripture, the sea is associated with turmoil and the rise of wickedness. And I, I, when I read this, this this morning, Pastor Ho, I thought about that. Some things have happened and are happening on the sea that we don't even imagine. Some wickedness. If you, if you look down into the Middle East, you don't know some things that are happening down there. People being thrown overboard. People being dumped in the sea. And if you watch the waves, if when the waves are rising up and it turns up 
all of these things are happening in the sea, but there will be no more sea because wickedness will be done away with. All right? Amen. The evil and turmoil will never rise again in the new order because there will be no sin there. And so God has established that for those of us who are faithful to him. And this should make you lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, and make you want to go to heaven and make you do everything that is possible to get to heaven. John also observes the new Jerusalem descending from heaven, not coming from any other place. This is not the White House. But this is the new Jerusalem. This is not the governor's mansion. But this is the new Jerusalem descending from heaven. Uh, the origin of it is the holy city, which is God himself. Now, the city has been viewed as, number one, a physical city. Number two, the abiding place of the righteous dead. Number three, a symbol of the church. And if you get there, nothing will happen. Some people leave church and, you know, they criticize and do all kind of things. The symbol of the church here is the new Jerusalem. God rules over the church. And if you find yourself there, there is nothing for you to criticize. There is nothing for you to find wrong. It will be a time where we worship the Lord and be grateful to him that we have made it over. So... Here again, not only the city is called the abiding place of the righteous dead and viewed as a physical city or a symbol of the church, but it's also a description of the church exposed to Christ. And we, we see that word in the birth of Jesus when Miriam was exposed. Now the church is exposed to Christ. We belong to Christ. We are his is um, bride, and we are a part of that. Now, the physical example can be best understand as a fulfillment of Zion, the city of God. We are marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful city of God. Zion, the city of God, the abiding place of the people of God. And note that as it is the symbol of the saints, for it is there they live, they dwell with God. They reside with God and nobody else. And Matthew Henry looked at this, and this is what he wrote. He said, the covenant interest and relation that there are now between God and his people. The covenant he made with us, the interest of his people and the relationship that we share with them are now between us and God, between God and his people, will be filled up and perfected in heaven. Complete perfection. No sin at all. No sin at all. Um, John said in his revelation, he saw the tabernacle of God is with man. And I heard verse 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, this, this is one of the most intimate and powerful promises in Scripture, consisting of three aspects. First, 
now that the tabernacle of God is with humanity. God himself will tabernacle. God will dwell with the redeemed. We sing all the time and you hear people pray prayers, um, asking God to tabernacle with us. In other words, be with us, God. Dwell among us. Because if we don't have him, then we don't have nothing else, but we are just beating the air. But he will be with his people just like he promised. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So the tabernacle of God, God himself will tabernacle with the redeemed. Um, and um, his presence, he pitches his tent, uh, he overshadows us with his presence, his power, his protection. That's what we will have. When he, when he dwells with us, when he reigns with us, when he lives with us, we will have provision. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about get up and what you're going to cook today and how you're going to provide for your family. No, he will make provisions for us. He will give us power. He will give us protection because he is with us. And just like you have always heard me say that um, just like an hen covers her, her chick, then the Lord God will cover us. In other words, he is ours and we are his for all eternity. Let me say that again. He will be ours and we will be his for all eternity. We sing the song and perhaps we need to change it. I'm going to sit down beside me, Jesus, and rest a little while. No, we're going to rest all the time because it's until eternity and it doesn't get better than that. Number two, number two, God promises to transform our emotions. And we must admit that we are, we are emotional creatures. We, we let our emotions dictate our terms sometimes and our emotions get the best of us. We say things that we shouldn't say. We behave the way we shouldn't behave because we are emotional creatures. We cry when we shouldn't be crying. We curse when we shouldn't be cursing, you know. But God promises to transform our emotion. At the end of God wipes away the tears and their stains, you know. No more crying. No more dying. He also removes the source of the tears found in the old order. In the new redeemed order, there is no possibility of death, so no more crying. I went to a funeral yesterday, and some people cry and they grieve. But all of that will be done away with. Because in heaven, there is no more grief, no more sorrow. For we are reunited with loved ones who died in the Lord. Wailing, crying has no place. Can I say that again? Wailing, crying has no place, for there are no tragedies in his presence. So you don't need no towel and no rag up there. Put away your rag when you get to heaven. God will wipe all the tears from our eyes. All afflictions, all pain have been healed. Every negative aspect of the sin-cursed age is subdued by Christ's redemptive provision. Thus, the former things are passed away. The former things cease to exist. And he promised us that we will be with him and we will be happy over there. Number three, 
We have the personal guarantee from the Father that all of this will be accomplished. Why? Because his throne represents the seat of his government. In other words, his right to rule and his sovereignty over all aspects of life. So he made a promise to us, and his promise is to make all things new. And it speaks of the quality of that newness. It is not just different, it is better. It is a perfect thing, for its origin is of God. And we need to know that, and we need to rejoice in that. Then, then here is the pronouncement that he made to those who are victorious. And there are two pronouncements here, the victorious and the doom. Those of us who are victorious, and he said unto me, it is done. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely, freely. Freely, freely, my friend, freely. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and I am Omega. When God speaks, it is not just the utterance of words. It becomes an event within itself without regard to time or circumstances. So when he said it is done, remember he said that on the cross? It is done. Man's redemption is complete. Well, this, that next pronouncement that he will make when he said it is done, it simply means crying days are over, death is over, death is conquered, oh death, where is your sting, oh grave, where is your victory? Remember, he is Alpha and he is Omega, he is the beginning and he is the end, thus he was the creator of the old order and is now the judge who ends it. Further, he originated the new age, and now he completes it, right? From beginning to end. Before Adam was, I was. All right? He's the first, and he's the last. It is the everlasting covenant, and it will not end. The primary character of God is love, life, and holiness. Out of these issues, all that God is. Um, Secondly, the continually victorious victories, and we will be victorious over over everything, and we receive all the inheritance associated with the kingdom of God. There's a promise of provision and relationship, children, not strangers, and let me repeat that, children, not strangers, receive inheritances. Unless the children are bad, unless they didn't, they were not there for their parents, and they have to leave it to strangers. But inheritance are for children and not strangers. And the promises that he made to us is for us. Those who are cowards. Now, this is the next pronouncement. First one was to those who are victorious. Now to the doom. Those who are cowards, those who are unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft and idol worshippers and all liars have no place in 
Zion or the bride of Christ. Let me repeat that again. And you can take this warning. Those who are cowards, unbelievers, in other words, the sinners, those who didn't believe in him, those who criticize the church and talk about there is no God, they have no place in Zion, the bride of Christ. Because cowards are fearful, carrying element of shame. Those who reject faith, those who are corrupt, those who do abominable things, those who are immoral, those who are mongers and offending the holiness of God, those murderers take upon themselves a right that belongs to God alone, those who practice witchcraft, often use drugs to manipulate others or enhance their magical experience. These will be rejected and they will be doomed to hell. So, my friends, let's do our best to make it. And the bride, the bride, the bride of Christ, there came unto me, verse 9, they came unto me one of the seven angels who had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, come up. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away into the spirit to a great and high mountain, and the Lamb's wife here is the church, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out from heaven. The language here can either indicate that the procession is taking place or that the marriage ceremony is complete since the bride is being displayed. All right? It's, we, we take it to be a processional walk. That she is the lamb bride emphasizes the redemptive work of God and the character that allows the marriage to take place, which means she is redeemed, she is transformed. Through the Spirit, the angel carried John to a great and high mountain. Mountains are often places of revelation and instruction. And I'm trying to rush here because it's long. Rather, the splendor and materials reflect the glory of God. It is a glorious city because God is there. Can I say that to us again? It is a glorious city because God is there. Nothing like you see. Nothing here. You can go to Hollywood You can go wherever you want to go. Nothing will be as glorious as this city because God is there and he only gives good gifts. Um, Then there are 12 angels, and this jump out at me as well. There are 12 angels guarding the 12 gates, which are the names of the tribes of Israel written on them. The wall of the city on 12 foundations that have the names of the 12 apostles written in them. Thus, all the New Testament saints alike are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and form an integral part of that city. And I like how Hudson Taylor puts it here. He said, the threefold joy of the Lord is his joy is ransoming us. His joy is dwelling within us and our Savior and power for fruit-bearing. And his joy is possessing us as his bride and his delight. Now, you don't go to a wedding and go there in sad 
spirit. You go there to rejoice with the bride. That's why you have been, in, been invited. That's the bride and the groom best day. And they want people who are happy about them, not people with a sad face. So we ought to be able to rejoice and we will be happy over there. We must be joyful, no worry, no care, no more sickness. It will be a place of happiness. My friend, strive to be there. Strive to be there. Work hard to be there. Do all that lies in your power to be there. All right, Pastor O. I think I've talked long enough now. The light of the Lamb, the abiding Thank place of God. Amen. Thank you, Senior, senior Pastor. Uh, the, the light of the Lamb. Revelation 21, verse 22 uh, through 22, verse 5, um, the abiding place of God. Um, the song says, he abides, he abides. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way, uh, for the comforter abides with me. Um, verse 23 says, and the city had no need of the sun leader of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. Amen. The glory of God lit it up and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So everything is subject to uh, the, the new Jerusalem. Um, the entire city is the abiding place of God whose glory illuminates it completely. Because of the divine presence, there is no fear. This allows free access in and out of the city. The only inhabitants are the redeemed, whose Amen. names are written in the Lamb's book yes, of life. Yes. So they're, they're not going to be different divisions. You know, you're not going to have different countries, you know, Jamaica, Cuba, United States, no seven continents. Everything is going to be in one place. The only inhabitants are the redeemed, whose names are written in the Lamb's book. Now, Charles Kingsley said, it is not darkness you are going to, <laughs> mm-hmm. for God is light. It is not lonely, for Christ is with you. With it you. is not mm-hmm. unknown country, for Christ is there. Amen. Mm-hmm. Christopher Columbus right, set out to find different parts of the world. Uh, this is not going to be an unknown country to be found, right? Because the redeemed are going to be there. It's what we have worked for all these years, all the things that we have done over the years, not by works necessarily, but by following the word of God and allowing him to take control of our life. Now, Now we can see exactly all the things that we have sacrificed over the years now comes into, into fruition because we are the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The city's life and light is going to be very unique. Um, in, in chapter 22, verse 3, uh, it says, And there shall be no more 
curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And Amen. his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle. Neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Wow, what, what an awesome, what an awesome thing. Uh, and, and for those who are listening, I mean, this, this is, if this is not hope, I don't know what is. This is things mm-hmm. that we are striving for. Uh, the glory of the city, along with its provision, continues in uh, chapter 22, verse 1, where John sees a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. First, The source of the river is God. It issues from his throne. The foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. That's found in Psalm uh, chapter 89, verse 14. Everything that flows from God is consistent with his nature, gives him glory, and benefits humankind, though many reject him. Wow. Though Many rejected. All this is awaiting for us, but we still have those who don't believe and we still have those who continue to reject him and reject uh, his love. Uh, Second, the nature of this water reflects its divine source. It is clear, pure, and gives life. Amen. As it flows from the throne through the main street of the city, it causes trees of life to spring forth on each side. Wow, what a beautiful scene. The centrality of the river reveals it is easily accessible to the inhabitants of the city. It imparts health to the people, health to the nations through its fruit and leaves. Life imparts life. Mm -hmm. Death cannot impart life. Life Mm -hmm. imparts life. Death cannot, death has no part where life is. Life imparts life. I love that phrase. Life imparts life. If there is death, there is no life. But if there is life, then life will continue because life imparts life. The blessings of ministering to God include four aspects. The first is that there are in a face-to-face relationship with him, in a face-to-face relationship with him. The second is that his name is written on their foreheads. It is continual proof that the redeemed are victors. Amen. I am victorious. I am redeemed and I am victorious. The third, all darkness is dispelled. Darkness is associated with sin. Darkness is associated with fear. And darkness is associated with death. But as we said earlier, life begets life. Amen. Life imparts life. Right. The continual light of God removes all darkness and the negativity associated with it. Uh, the fourth is they will rule as kings forever and ever. This is not the world's concept of serving as kings, which Jesus clearly condemned. To reign with him is to serve him. 
I will serve him because I love him. He has given life to me. The new order is patterned in part after the redeemed order now. That is what we are and do now as the redeemed shall be perfected in the eternal kingdom. Now at this point, John affirms the authenticity of the things recorded and is understandably overwhelmed. I mean, can you imagine John now getting this revelation of everything that is happening and he's becoming so overwhelmed that he falls before the angel to worship him and is strongly rebuked? Wow. The next phrase has two impossible interpretations and it talked about the messenger uh, being an actual angel. Uh, a tool angel is better translated as messenger. But further, the message is not to be locked away, but right. shared with the church. If the message is rejected, the opportunity for repentance is passed. And we're finding that there are many people, many people, right, that are rejecting the message. They are rejecting the message of salvation. And it's going to come a point where the opportunity for repentance is passed. And we don't want that to happen. We want everybody at the sound of our voice. As we go through these different topics and scriptures and so forth and so on, we don't want the, re- the opportunity for repentance to pass. We want everyone to go uh, to heaven uh, to, that, to experience that new Jerusalem. Uh, Christ, uh, John Bunyan said, Christ is the desire of nations, the joy of angels, the delight of the Father. What solace then must that soul be filled with that has the possession of him to all eternity? Wow, what a wonderful statement. Um, We are looking for that new Jerusalem. And there is an invitation. There is an invitation. And senior pastor, if you can, just talk about the invitation of the Lamb uh, found in Revelations 22, verses 12 yes. through the end. And the invitation is to all at this Amen. point. But then on that final time, to get to heaven, to be with him around the marriage supper of the Lamb, the invitation will be to those who have been faithful, the saints of God, the children of God. And um, this scripture is a preacher's pet scripture. We have some pet scriptures that we use, like the Lord is my shepherd, our Father which is at, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thy own, own understanding. Scriptures like that. And this is one of a preacher's pet scripture. When I was young, this scripture used to be used almost in every evangelism service. And, which means that he wasn't finishing this course. He's adding something to whatever he said before. And behold, I come quickly. I, Jesus, will come quickly. And my reward is with me. And this is also the theme of the book of Revelation. Behold, I am coming quickly. Yes, yes. I am coming soon. And when I come, I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people 
according to their deeds. Remember that we said that it's two classes of people. Those who are saved who will get a reward. Those who are sinners who will also get a reward. They will be doomed to hell. One is come, the other is depart from me. So Jesus said, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay every man or all people according to their deeds. The drunkard will be paid. The gambler will be paid. Those who have sacrificed for the Lord, those who have made tremendous sacrifice. Um, I, we, we also talk about Moses choosing rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. season. There is a reward for that, my friend. And you are going, going on, going on, sometimes giving money to the church and sometimes can't pay your bill, sometimes taking care of things for his kingdom. There is a reward at the end. Christ declares, Behold, I am coming quickly. And this is repeated two other times in this chapter. All right, in verse 7 and verse 20. Quickly means that he's coming. It's the swiftness in which it will occur. There is the connection between obedience and reward. To take part in his coming, one must be faithful to the words of the saying of the prophecy of this book. Underline that, my friend, to take part in his coming, one must be faithful to the words of the saying of the prophecy of this book. In other words, you must obey God. The obedient will be blessed with access to the tree of life. Access to the tree of life. The obedient will be blessed. You'll have access to the tree of life with bear all manner of fruit um, during the season. The disobedient, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers and all those who love to live a lie will be denied access to the new order. Let's shake up, friends. Um, Charles Robertson said, the reward of being faithful over a few things is just the same as being faithful over many things. For the emphasis falls upon the same word. It is a faithful who will enter into the joy of the Lord. And some of us like that, you know. Oh, if I just do a few things, I will be rewarded. And I've said to you that whatever we have been called to do is what we must do. And if we don't do, we will have to give account. If he call you to be the, 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 the songster in the church, to lead praise and worship, and you don't do it, you're going to have to give account for it. If you have been called to take care of children's ministry and you don't do it, you're going to have to give account. If you're the prior warrior and you don't do it, you're going to have to give account. If you're the musician, if you're the husher, whatever part of the ministry you're asked to do and you don't do it well, and I've always said, you hear me saying this, let me repeat myself, and it's good to repeat myself, I've always said I work so hard because, God forbid, if I'm on my dying bed 
I don't want to be begging him not to die, but to go take care of some things. We must do it while we have health and strength, because tomorrow we might not have it. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel, verse 16, to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take up the water of life freely. Jesus again assures the seven churches of Asia Minor and everyone else who read this book that the contents are inspired and true. As David the shepherd was raised to be king, so Jesus was raised up to be the shepherd of God's flock. And he is king of all ages. He is bright and morning star. He's shining brightly as the light to the entire world. When we fully comprehend who Jesus is, let me pause to say that. When we fully comprehend who Jesus is, like the Spirit and the Bride, we too call for His coming. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Those in relationship with Him, thirsty to be in His presence, and not satisfied with anything else. As the heart panted after the water book, so panted after my soul, O God. And isn't there a longing for you to go to heaven, to be with the Lord? You're sick and tired of this whole world. You're sick and tired of life. But we must go on. Just a few more days, my friend. Oh, we cannot be satisfied with anything else but Jesus. And Jesus offers the water of life freely to those who are listening. And you have not yet made that resolve. He offers the water of life freely. No cost. You don't have to mortgage your house or take out a loan. It's free. He offers the water of life freely. So come to the water, my friend. Come, drink, and have your thirst quenched. Come, buy wine without money and without price. And Brother Campbell always sings, Jesus, have a table spread. Come and dine. That's what the Master is saying. Come and dine. It's free today. You don't have to pay for anything. All right, Pastor O, even so, even so, take us to the end. Praise the Lord. Amen. Even so, uh, in, in verse 18, um, it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Wow. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away this part out of the book of life and out of the holy city yes. from yes. the things which are written in this book. This was a word of warning. Um, the, the, the author of, of this actually says another admonition. I actually think it's more so a warning. It's a yes. warning to each and every one. And we've had you know, so many prophetic books and, 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 and prophets and prophetesses 
who try and dissect this book. Some have made millions from predictions and, and what the book of Revelation has said and so forth and so on. But it's telling us here that we ought to be careful. This is another warning, um, another warning that is added regarding altering the message of this revelation of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't only a warning to John himself, but it was a warning to anybody else who came after John, who would read the, the, the prophecy of, of the book, right? Um, during this series, we have examined many things that are difficult to accept. Uh, we do not want anyone to suffer the wrath of God poured out in the measure detailed in the book of Revelation. However, we cannot change the message or even ignore it because of our discomfort. So when we talk about heaven, we also have to talk about hell. Um, and again, so many ministers and pastors are conveniently leaving out uh, teaching on hell. Um, well, where and there is a heaven, there is a hell. And it has been distinctively talked about in the book of Re Revelation um, that we should, uh, you know, strive to make it to the New Jerusalem. Um, for without, uh, you know, without a heaven, or, you know, as, as long as we see that there is a heaven, there is also going to be a hell. We have a duty to God and the unbelievers God brings into our lives to be true to the message of Christ. And we have to uh, make sure that we spread the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Um, and this is our mandate as believers. So when we accept Christ into our life, we must now be agents to go out into the world and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, so we have a duty, we have a responsibility, and, and as you said, Senior Pastor, that if God has called us to do something, then we ought to do it. That's the function that, that we should, that we should uh, portray in, in the church, in the world, in the earth, in our communities, uh, that we should carry out the mandate that, is, that has been given to us. He has called each and every one of us because of our our, our abilities, our skill sets, whatever it may be. It's not just to go to a nine-to-five job and make money for ourselves. We are agents. We ought to go out into the world and preach the gospel. We ought to be his mouthpiece, and we ought to speak of what God is doing in our life. Uh, we must do whatever God has called us to do in yes. love. Amen. In love. And that's our mandate. Many lost people already are aware of their life course and how it affects their eternity. I was hearing someone the other day saying that they are okay if they go to hell. I said, mm. wow, they are okay with going to hell. Um, I, I, I don't subscribe to that. Uh, I, I want to make it into heaven, and I want to do whatever uh, it takes, not only to make it, but to bring my family with me, to bring my Amen. friends with me to bring everybody that is in uh, my circle, uh, in my community. I want to bring them along because I don't want them to suffer at the hands of the enemy. Um, I don't want them to go to hell at all. And this is where we, uh, this is the conclusion of the entire matter. 
it, it, it brings to us a question of, um, you know, our eternal uh, destiny. Do we want yes. to go to heaven or do we want to go to hell? And oftentimes we do this in church. We ask, oh, who wants to go to heaven? And everyone raises their hand, yes, I want to go to heaven. Yes, I want to go to heaven. But are you willing to submit to what God um, says in his word? Are you willing to give up on those worldly things? Are you willing to change your life? Are you willing to make the necessary adjustments uh, in accordance to what God is saying in his word. That's the heart of the matter. Uh, there are people that want to go to heaven, but they don't want to make a change. And so we are, uh, we are encouraging each and every one uh, that is listening, make that change. Um, you know, make that change because it is yeah. going to be an yeah. eternal change, um, and it's going to change your life for eternity. Uh, finally, the, in conclusion, the book of Revelation evokes many feelings for believers, and that's true. The chronology of the book is often difficult to determine. The events often challenge human sensibilities. However, we should be motivated to examine our hearts, pray for, and witness to unbelievers, and worship with greater passion. I see so many things going on uh, everybody has um, a movement, everybody has an idea or a thought, and they are expressing it passionately. What about us in our worship to God, right? We need to worship with greater passion, with greater intensity, uh, because we need to portray the kingdom of God in our lives. In the end, it is the hope of eternal life with yes and becoming more like our Savior that encompasses all of these feelings and provides the greatest motivation for spiritual maturity. Transformation and God's love await us now and in eternity. And when we look at the new Jerusalem John saw, uh, it was a new creation, a new gift of God to his bride at the yeah. church. Yeah. It is both yeah. a place and a new social order but its composition is mainly of people rather than material substance. You, you can't bring your house. You can't bring your car. You can't bring your money. You can't bring your job. You can't bring your clothes. Everything that we have gloried in that make you know, our life here on earth comfortable, all of that cannot be brought into the new Jerusalem. Um, so we cannot bring any material substance, at least, the emphasis is on the saints who make up Christ's bride. The new Jerusalem then is both the bride of Christ and a place of dwelling for them. The covenant relationship of Christ with his church is cemented in this tremendous wedding yeah. ceremony. Amen. While bride and groom will dwell together for all eternity, they have waited patiently for one another but now their patience and hope are rewarded. It goes right back to what you were talking about, Senior Pastor, with regards to the reward. You know, we have been waiting patiently as, as the bride, waiting, going through the, the, the difficulties of life, you know, suffering from illnesses and, 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 and death. And now we are rewarded uh, because yeah. of our patience. Because mm. we were waiting, we are now 
rewarded after all that we have been through, after, after all, all that we have gone Amen. through. Amen. Now the, 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 the patience that we have had is now rewarded in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Over to you, Senior Pastor. What a wonderful lesson. Beautiful lesson, and I hope that we all have, you know, taken that in and that we will munch on it throughout the week. And I just want to say in closing off this study, this book is finished. Those who have it, make sure that you keep it and, you know, gloss over it whenever you can. But to those who are listening today, or you have family members, or you have friends, or you have neighbors who don't know the Lord, let us say to you today, and this is a message to all of us, saved and unsaved, we don't know the day or the hour, but one thing we know for sure, Jesus is coming soon. And it's going to come when we least expect, unexpectedly. This is good news to those who trust him. But it's a terrible message and a terrible message for mm. those who have rejected him and stand against, stand under judgment. Soon means any moment and we must be ready for him. Always prepare. Let us not slip because we, we hear the, the story of the song, two shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taking the other left, two shall be um, in the bed, one shall be taken on the other left. And when we were at the graveside yesterday at Brother Niven's wife's funeral, that's what I was saying to them. I said, I look at that. You know, I said, look at all of these monuments here. Can you imagine the day of judgment? Perhaps wow. they will be performing a funeral service, and the, the person in the casket is just vanished, and, and the casket is empty. Perhaps um, the preacher that was preaching just vanished, and some people are still there looking around. Somebody could be driving their car, and either right. the car stop or the car is driving without a driver. We need, we need to take this seriously, my friends, right? It's a terrible message to those who have rejected him and stand under judgment, but you have a chance today. You have a chance today to prepare for his return. If Would Jesus' sudden appearance catch you off guard, all of us? Because some of us who are saved, we still have some work to do. To do. We still That's have right. some work to do. But here we find in this, Pastor O, Revelation closes human history as Genesis opened it in paradise. But there is one distinct difference in Revelation. Evil is gone forever. Genesis describes Adam and Eve walking and talking with God. Revelation describes people worshiping God face to face. Genesis describes a garden with an evil serpent. Revelation describes a perfect city where there is no evil. The Garden of Eden was destroyed by sin, but paradise is recreated in the new Jerusalem. The book of Revelation ends with an urgent plea. Come, Lord Jesus. In a world of problems, in a world of persecution, evil and immorality, Christ calls us 
to endure in our faith. You can't tell God because Donald Trump said this or Joe Biden said this or this and that was done or your neighbor did that or a pastor did you that. You can't take that to God. Match it up with the words of God. Our efforts to better our world are important, but their results cannot compare with the transformation, with the glory that Jesus will bring about when he returns. He alone controls human history. He alone forgives sin and will recreate earth and bring lasting peace. Finally, Revelation is above all a book of hope. Pastor Ho said it. It shows that no matter what happens on earth, God is in control. God is in control, not man. It promises that evil will not last forever and it depicts the wonderful reward that is waiting for all those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I, I found this pastor, and I'm going to read it. It says, miss me, but let me go. And for all of those who are crying over loved ones, whether they have the COVID or loved ones who have passed away, um, this should comfort you. When I come to the end of the road and the sun has set for me, I want no right in a gloom-filled room. Why cry for a soul set free? Miss me a little, but not too long. And not with your head bowed low. Remember the love that we once shared. Miss me, but let me go. For this is a journey we all must take, and each must go alone. It's all part of the Master's plan. A step on the road to home. When you are lonely and sick of heart, go to the friends we know. Bury your sorrows in doing good deeds. Miss me, but let me go. I will challenge all of you. Let us do the best we can to make it home to glory. Right? Practice forgiveness. Practice getting everything right. Practicing worshiping God. As if it is your last day, make, you know, worship today, worship this week, as if it's the last time you have on planet Earth. And Jesus is coming back soon, and you want to be with him and meet him in the clouds of glory. Blessings to you all today. And I think it's fitting for me to say a prayer. Father in heaven, we bless your name. We glorify you. Our cherubims and seraphims are kneeling before you today. Birds in the treetops are singing their song. Flowers in the garden are bowing their heads. We worship you today. We are glad, oh God, we rejoice today that we have a hope that is beyond the grave, a hope that is not in this world, but our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Help us, Lord that our days will not be in vain, that our life will not be in vain, that all that we have done for you, we have done it willingly with a good heart. Oh God, we have served you the best we know how, and we slip and we fall sometimes, but you are a forgiving God. But help us, Lord, that we will make our calling and selection sure. For if only in this life we have hope, 
we would be men most miserable. Lord, I pray that you will guide us and guard us from all the things that are happening in this world, all the sin and all the wretchedness, oh God, and all the evil that is happening in this world, and help us to focus our eyes on you, oh, to keep our eyes on you, and not the pleasures of this world. We really and truly want to be with you, want to live and reign with you to that place that you have gone to prepare for us. And help us, Lord, help us to do the best we can that we can come and live and reign with you, oh God, and sit with you around the marriage supper of the Lamb. Bless everybody today, save and unsaved. Those who are saved, help us to strengthen our stakes in you. Help us, Lord, that we will see you as Isaiah saw thee high and lifted up. Those who have not yet started their journey, those who are halfway in, we pray today that you will have mercy. Oh, God, we pray, we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will help them to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Hear us today and bless us and keep us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We say amen and amen.